Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Very warm welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast, as well as Barmy Army Meets. We've kind of teamed up with the two outlets that the Barmy Army have been running throughout this lockdown. And, well, it's weird because I've actually got to look at the camera rather than looking aimlessly around the room. Um, Thank you if you are watching this in vision. And if you aren't, well, great. And you're a loyal podcast listener. Thank you very much for downloading and tuning in and stuff as well. If this is your first experience, we have got a full backlog of both Barmy Meats on YouTube and also all the podcast stuff as well that we've been doing throughout the lockdown and also a couple of years ago as well before we took a bit of an extended hiatus. So the way this is going to work, we've got an amazing guest with us. We've got Sir Alistair Cook with Chris Millard and Jack Brooks. Hello, gentlemen. First of all, this is going to be great, and we're looking forward to talking to Sir Alistair, aren't we, uh, for our little podcast section, which will take up the first 15 or 20 minutes or so. And, um, I mean, it's a good way to start if we're doing it a little combined one, isn't it, with, um, well, one of the greats. Absolutely. The Messiah, as he's known to many in the Barmy Army. He is an absolute hero. I mean, we've had Jimmy Anderson on, and we followed that up with Cookie not too long after. Who else are we going to get on? Well, is he, the, is he the first night of the realm we've had on here? He is the yeah. first night of the yeah, realm. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Where do you go after that? Do you get the Queen? Prince Philip? Yeah, all right. Maybe Prince Andrew's free. Boris? Do you get Boris on for a chat? <laughs> we, we have not. No, we, he's busy. He's busy. <laughs> he's a little bit busy. And also... Cricket fan, though. And yeah, but n- nothing tops Sir Alistair Cook. We don't want anyone else. That's 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 perfect, apart from. Some but this of the isn't guests. the end. No, Nobody it isn't the, is the end. I've got to say, <laughs> but it's a good way. It's a bloody good way to start, isn't it? So, uh, first of all, I want to thank all the members and stuff for getting in touch and sending in their questions. So we'll be asking those in the sort of the second half of our chat with Cookie. And like I said, you can watch this chat on YouTube as well as the usual podcast. And if you are already watching, well, hello. This is how we do it. We all plugged in and all looking at each other. Brooksy waving nicely. Excellent. This is good. So, we've got a couple more emails and things. Before you get into that, Greggy, yeah. I think you better bring it up, otherwise you'll get a bit angry. We always talk about Brooksy's 100 and my occasional 100s, 150s, whatever. Um, it'd be good to just mention your very good golfing achievement. You hit a ball off a golf tee all the way to the green. It bounced and it rolled into the hole. I did. And I'm not going to bore the listeners with it like you two do. Um, Excellent. Moving on there. Moving on there. Congratulations, mate. Well done. Thank you very much. This is my third um, for all those wondering. Um, So, uh, just. (laughs) Uh, Come on. I don't really get that much glory on this podcast. So, allow me that moment. 
we've got these emails in and uh, thank you so much for getting in touch obviously we get listeners all around the world lots and lots of people send us nice messages and tweets and comments and stuff on instagram and etc this week we have got a couple of emails and i'm going to read the first one out actually this is from keith and keith sims normally referred to as coxie by mini dom i've taken the bait and I want to know why Brucko, I've never heard you call that before, Brucko hasn't asked any of the guests his famous three questions. I have a feeling that this isn't very broadcastable. But anyway, I'm going to carry on. I'm, I'm sure that Cookie would love to answer them. Or you could ask him about a walk of shame while wearing a dress through Wheatley. So, Brooks, I'm going to give you a bit of a get-out. Which one do you want to talk about? Is it the walk of shame, wearing a dress, or is it um, the three <laughs> questions? Tough choice, but the choice Coxie is yours. Stuffed me out. He's stuffed me out of sight here, but at least one of, your mate, one of my mates is actually listening to this, so that's nice, isn't it? Um, <laughs> three questions, no comment. I think that goes no further. Um, maybe not on here, anyway. Um the walk of shame yeah that was a long time ago like early 20s after a house party and it was like a fancy dress so i went in a dress and a blood big blonde wig and of course you did yeah of course you did yeah it make as you do um <laughs> and i was walking back to my brothers the next day through town quite early in the morning on like a sunday morning so people are getting their sunday papers and i remember walking down the path a bit bleary eyed and this old boy coming towards me with the paper under his arm he'd obviously just come back from the shop and he did uh what is now quite normal with people walking off the path or to walk around you like social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He did it back then. Like how many years? It fifteen years ago. What it was. But um, yeah, I walked through Amazing. town in a wig and a dress and went to go into my brother's to go and get some kip. And a couple of my mates were sat in a tree outside drinking warm Guinness. I think so. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one that. But yeah, thanks Classic. for bringing thanks for bringing it up, Simsy. <laughs> These are the stories that we want. To... Don't ever call me. Brucko, he just, I think he just calls me Brucko to wind me up. That's not a nickname. That's not a thing. No, well, okay, well, uh, Brucko, I've also got another one for you then, mate. Is <laughs> is um, we were talking uh, a while ago, and there was a former England captain who, unless you want to say, walked into the Yorkshire dressing room when you were playing at Yorkshire and called you Brookie. And you were like, <laughs> what? And you were like, no one calls me that. But you didn't actually say it to him, did you? I'm not sure if you A wants to say who it is. I mean, it's not a bad Future story. guest of the pod. Future guest. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I to get, well, hopefully Vaughn comes on sometime. But yeah, first right. time he, he walked in the chain. I think it was at, was at Lords or Henning. He used to come quite a bit over a sort of two or three year period when we were doing well. And um, he was really good to us, actually. He sent um, When we won the championship the first time, he, he sent a boatload of champagne to us to the changing room. Wow. So the lads obviously appreciate that. He's a top man, Borny. Massive Yorkshire fan, isn't he? So when we were there, it was class. Oh, great. Um, but he did call you Brookie. Yeah, he called me Brookie. And <laughs> no one ever called me Brookie before, really. I quite like Brookie. I mean, he's a trailblazer, isn't he? But yeah, yeah. I don't mind it. It's what Michael Vaughan can call me whatever he wants, really, can't he? But he yeah. comes on in. He's a trailblazer, much like the bloke who walked around you, social distancing before it was cool, <laughs> you know? So uh, I like it. Um, Chris, right, you also it. have an email. We... Yeah. Yeah, I've got two two more stories about Brooko Brookie, um, <laughs> the hairband warrior, Steve James. We're gonna. I'm just gonna dissect it and read one of the stories out for you, just to offer you some light relief. Now, he noticed during the pod with Simon Jones when Brooksy was asked if he'd ever done any topless, naked, erotic modelling, he said no. I know this isn't great banter for the podcast, but I thought I'd attach a lovely archive photograph from when 
he indeed did um, take his clothes off for a calendar shoot. So, Brooksy, you lied on the pod, and we've got evidence. So, are you happy for us to post a picture in the bio of this pod? I've chosen to sort of forget all that and put it to the back <laughs> of my memory. Um, genuinely, haven't. <laughs> this photo crops up now and again. I, was, I think I was about 17 or 18. And um, Tillington Cricket Club back then, who I was playing for my village side, they're doing like a, a calendar. All the players would like do poses for a month or pick, you know, a few players and raise some money for the club. <laughs> you know, I did my bit for the, for the yeah. community and the team and raise some money for the club. So I think, I can't remember if I was Mr. June or something, but... Mr. Um, June. <laughs> like lads, lads were, were posing like behind. Remembers it well. Remembers it well. You knew various, exactly which month you were. <laughs> with various cricket, cricket equipment or, you know, in the change rooms and stuff. But my pose was um, <laughs> as if I was making a cricket tea. So I was buttering bread in just an apron and a pair of socks. <laughs> but obviously with an apron on, you're, you're, everything's covered up from the front, isn't it? But they had just positioned uh, like a tall mirror behind me. So you could see my ass in the mirror. So I was only about 17, 18. It was a bit of a laugh, but it wasn't It wasn't too bad, really. It wasn't too explicit. If you were 17, we can't post a picture, mate. So we need to know the facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no, I was probably... It was 17. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think we'll err on the side of caution. Sorry, go 18. Go 18, shall we? It's taken a turn before Sir Alistair Cook, hasn't it? Just, um, just a little not, bit. It's not that attractive. I mean, you guys have seen it now. It's not, it's not my best side, is it? But... No. But what I would say is it was for a good cause. You weren't just being, you know, a bit of a creature. <laughs> wasn't releasing my own calendar. <laughs> yeah. Mr. June is my favourite. Brucko, <laughs> Brookie, Mr. June. Fantastic. He's got the nicknames covered. This is great. On that note, mate, you also have had a bit of correspondence in, Brooksy, that you can read out. And it's yeah. uh, it's a good yeah, well, one. We've asked our sort fantastic. of... fantastic. Yeah. It is a fantastic story from one of our listeners, isn't it? It's always good to hear from our listeners. I'll keep them coming in, please. We've got James Drew on. I can't even speak. <laughs> James Drew. Thank you, sir, for your story this week. Um, he writes, I was about 14 or 15 years old. After school, we'd walk to Horsham Cricket Club where Sussex were playing at the cricket festival there. Beautiful ground, by the way. I bought myself a bacon cheeseburger. And as I was eating it, I bumped into Angus Fraser. And as I said hello, a piece of bacon got stuck down my throat. Half of it down my throat, the other half attached by the fat was in my mouth. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I'm not sure if Gus Fraser was a playing man or not. He hasn't specified, but anyway. So there he is, stood trying to talk to Angus Fraser whilst choking on bacon. <laughs> Luckily, Big Gus gave him a big pat on the back whilst he was coughing. And I did, he finishes it with, I didn't have the nerve to ask for an autograph after he stopped me from choking. <laughs> <laughs> that is magnificent. What a story, that, James. Well done, brilliant. mate. That's Thanks good. very much, James. Brilliant. We, we would like a few more of those as well. Please do get in touch. Obviously, this has been a kind of interactive podcast video chat that we're about to do with Cookie. We're really grateful. It's so nice to hear from people. But we also love stuff like that for our kind of introductions for all of our future, future guests. So if you've got any stories or anything that you want to share with us that you think might go down well do let us know email info at barmyarmy.com or tweet us or send us a direct message or something of that nature so we'll get into it then enough of our nonsense we'll get talking to the greatest batsman that england has ever had in my opinion anyway and a lot of the barmy army's opinion it is sir alistair cook on the 
first ever mutual join together Shackles Are Off podcast and Barmy Meets. Let's get into it. First of all, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's like a bit of a new look thing, this, that we're doing. So the members will be able to see you and your lovely brick wall behind you, as previously <laughs> discussed before we uh, started recording. This is something that we ask all of our guests on the podcast, first of all. And it's quite a simple one, and it might take you back a few years. And it's simply, what are your big cricketing beginnings and what made you love cricket? And how did you get into it? Well, I, I my cricket beginnings were definitely in the back garden with um, my older brother and younger brother, Adrian, um, who was two years older than me, and Lawrence, who was two years younger than me. Uh, so Adrian, for whatever reason, wanted to bowl. So I therefore batted, and the youngster, well, Lawrence, well, he, he had to field, so he turned himself into a wicketkeeper. <laughs> uh, we had an 11-yard pitch, um, and then we had a bit of a patio as a run-up, uh, and that's what we played on, really, and it turned... It turned pretty serious pretty quick. We had, you know, we had rugs as covers. We managed to persuade Dad to bowl a roller, to buy a little roller, which I mean, it didn't do anything, but it, we thought we knew what we were doing. Um, you know, we're fully padded up. We've got to a stage where it was like arm guards, you know, your shin guard as a rugby, uh, as from football, you know, a little shin pad that came with tuber grip, came your arm guard helmets. We played an incredible, and that's where it really did start. I mean. Uh, and then I kind of went from there. Where was from there then? Was it at school? We spoke to Jimmy Anderson a few weeks ago on the podcast and he reckoned he was a bit of a late bloomer. He was talking about playing for Lancashire under 15s B and that kind of thing, <laughs> which was quite amusing. And then by that time, you know, it was only a few years later, he was then playing for England. What was it like for you? Were you churning out runs from a young age or, you know, was it sort of late on that you grew a bit bigger or whatever? Well, no, I, I did score. I, you know, I, I scored runs. It's always pl- nice playing a game. You're better than everyone else. At, to be honest with you. Uh, you know you tend to enjoy that stuff more I mean I then you can kind of go the other way to rugby I mean I, I kind of went through puberty a bit late so I was still singing the choir high notes at like 16 but when you're trying to tackle when you're going to try and tackle a bloke with a full beard on the rugby pitch it ain't much fun so it's like um, so then it kind of the roles reverse and it when you're half decent in another sport you you just keep playing it. I was, you know I was always no, I always did score runs, like at kind of every level I went at. But it's all you're always in the back of your mind. You had, can I score runs at the next level? You know, I was a school. How many good schoolboy cricketers do we know? How many good you know, under 15 like Essex players? Everyone said he's the next best thing, and no one ever said that to me. But you know, you don't. You just knew there's so few people like when you're under. So I, you know, you go through it. Essex under 15 age group, and there's only two of us who who, who you know me and Ravi who are there. So. The other 18 in the squad, I'll probably miss them out and they're probably shouting at me. But do you know what I mean? That, do you know what I mean? There's, two, there's only two out of the 18. That's at under 15. So you never think you're going to make the grade. And I think that maybe kept me good stead. I always thought every time I went up a level, I was like, well, um, do you know what I mean? I, I never thought I made it. I think what you're saying, Cookie, is you've completed cricket. They ran out of levels of cricket for you to keep scoring <laughs> runs at, essentially. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure about that. I kept getting my pad blowing off and nicking off a fair too many times to, to ever say he completed it. But you know, the one thing like, throughout my pretty much, I mean, every time I did go up a level, I did manage to somehow get used to it pretty quickly and score runs. I mean, probably the hardest one, bit where I, 
I suppose I thought I wasn't actually as good enough. I scored a lot of runs at school cricket, but in those summers, I went back to play for Essex second team, you know, at 16, 15, 16, 17. And I never, I never really scored that many runs. And, and so there's always that mind, the back of your mind that actually I'll, I'll just be a good school worker. And then one day it clicked at Essex second team against Surrey and I scored runs at 18. And then that was, that was kind of when I started kind of being able to score runs at what you call men's cricket rather than say junior level or school level. Cool that you played with Ravi from such a young age and end up in England team with him, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, so we played against each other first. Like he was, he he won't mind me. He was a slightly retunged, uh, <laughs> I've seen photos. Wicketkeeper. I think quite a few people have seen photos of him, so he won't mind me bringing up. And he was a wicketkeeper, and he just stood up to everyone. He was a genius wicketkeeper because he was so lazy, he couldn't be asked to to walk any further. <laughs> He did say his dad owned a sweep shop, so he. I mean, I'm not sure how many sweep. He must have thought he must have thought they sold out a lot of sheep, uh, a sweeps. But Hurricane Ravi ate most of them. But yeah, we played against him at under, you know, under 11s or under 12s, London schools, as I was playing for there. And then, ever since that age group, we've just kind of grown up together. Some, you know, he got his first contract slightly ahead of me, but you know, we've always been like that away. And to, and it was actually this is the first year in how many years that. We wouldn't play a game of cricket. I don't think we're going to play a game of cricket together as he's moved to Sussex. And it's actually yeah, it was a bit, of, a bit of a shock. But actually, yeah, to to have someone like him and you played England, played Essex all the way through, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, when you're um, trying to step up the levels, surely you weren't sort of so self-aware that you were just focusing on the next target. You obviously probably had, you know, in your teens, ambitions of right, I want to play for England and all that kind of thing. I think everyone does have ambitions about playing for England, but I don't think anyone ever... Oh, God, Jesus. We do actually have a thunderstorm around here. <laughs> um, the, I think you do, but you never, ever believe it. I remember driving past Peter Such's car at, like when I was 16, driving um, when my parents were driving me to training. I thought, all I want is my name on the side of my car. You know, I want to... That's <laughs> Essex. I mean, you couldn't think of anything worse. Cause, but you know what I mean? Or a car parking spot at Essex. There's always something... You know, the cat players had a car parking spot, and I, I wanted one of those when I first... You know, when I first started, when I first started at 18, I I think you never believe you're ever going to make it at any stage. I don't think I don't think many people do, honestly. I think you always have that back of your mind. Jesus, look, you always have these guys that, you know, you watched at 12 or 13 playing first class cricket. You think, I'm never going to be good enough to play there. So um, and maybe maybe that's, that's how I felt. I mean, other people might feel differently. But when you that's always, I think, a good way to be. When did you come across our beloved co-host, Brooksy, then? I think you told us, was it in Perth, Brooksy? And were you kind of aware of each other properly at that point? Well, he wouldn't have been aware of me, little awful, little awful clubby, clubby. <laughs> theme bowler. But, um, yeah, I think we were about 19, 20, weren't we, Cookie? And you came yeah. over. Uh, you were also a little bit... Yeah, you also you had the Ravi syndrome a bit, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more, Cookie. Tell us more. Well, again... He was. I mean, I, where were you, I work, were you working? When have I ever been working? super slim? Um, but then, yeah, so I was on a like a working holiday visa thing that was going to go to Australia. No, but, before, but before that, when you're playing, you play for Berkshire, didn't you? I was Oxfordshire. Oxfordshire, sorry, I'm close. Yeah. Um, but you know, but as in like you, I swear you, you said you because I remember when you met you there and you're like, oh, I, I worked at I don't know where. Maybe I just met. I was working. I was working. Um, yeah. I don't think I met you before Perth, though, did I? No, uh, no, eating a lot as well. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't changed, Cookie. <laughs> um, yeah, we well, Cookie ended up at, at Willerton, where I was going to spend the whole season, now, the whole winter playing for them, and he was the overseas pro for a couple of months, was it? 
Yeah, I, so I did, I joined. So I was at the academy, the national academy, like on a part-time thing. So I was meant to start at the beginning of the season, but like I spoke to Rod Marsh, and he said he would do six weeks at the academy, and I, I think I went out probably end of October. I was in November, December, January on the Paul Terry Academy. Yeah. Uh, and to end of February, but then half just before that, I got called back to actually go to England. A no, so I had an India camp. Gucci, Gucci sent all of us like young batters to in the spin camp and the spinners to Essex, part of his scholarship fund. So I, I then left a little bit early to go to there. Um, but yeah, that's the first time I met Brooksy. Yeah, I remember. I, I don't remember the, our first meet, but I remember that was the first time I'd had seen like a first class cricketer up close and trained with them and <clears throat> spent that much time with him really and you could see he was going to be he was very professional I remember sitting in the bar with him usually afterwards and he'd be on like lemonades and I'd be drinking beers and stuff but I was I there as like a club cricketer and stuff so I don't think it was quite like that I had a fairly dusty heads but uh <laughs> but, you know the Paul, the Paul Terry the Paul Terry kind of was brilliant actually it was like yeah, it was really, good, it was really like you know we organized we had net training we had quite a lot of Hampshire boys obviously with the link yeah there we had, I mean one one house was um, Ryan Tenderscarter, Tim Phillips, and Ravi, and the other house was myself, Chris Benham, and Kevin Latouf. Yeah, three, yeah. Like two Hampshire lads, and then uh, Bruce came out. James Bruce came out, didn't he? Uh, James Tomlinson. Jimmy Adams uh, was he? Uh, Jimmy Mascarenas was around, wasn't he? But I know he wasn't part of the academy because he's a bit older than us. Yeah, he, he was, played at Melville. It was his club, wasn't it? Was um, yeah. Jimmy Adams? Did he come over? Jimmy Adams. Yeah, he was there when I was there. So we had a really and so training on. I think twice a week we trained at the clubs. Twice a week we trained as a like like an academy squad and fitness was arranged for us so we had everything on a plate and it's kind of down to you whether you wanted to, to work up it's a brilliant experience and we're not like as Brooksy and I are still in contact with probably six or seven of those Willington guys who again like bend over backwards for you if you put into the club and I, I don't actually remember drinking many lemonades there actually Brooksy been a bit <laughs> But it was a, yeah, what, like a brilliant experience. And one that like, I'd always, like, of course, any young cricketer who's 18, 19. I was a bit, I'm glad I went when I was 19, 20, because I was, I was a young 18-year-old. So I was glad that I had the extra year before I went. Are you um, aware, and I'm, I'm sure you are actually, um, Cookie, on the sort of vow that you made to Brooksy when he let you know that he turned pro and signed was it a professional contract at Nottinghamshire, Brooksy? North, uh, sorry, Northamptonshire. North sorry, mate. North and, and, Ants. Yeah, Northants. North and Ants. and what did you say? It begins with N. And you um, and you said to Cookie, "I've turned pro." And what did Cookie come back with? Um, yeah, he said. What did I come back with? Uh, you said, "Congrats, mate. If you ever get me out, I'm going to retire." <laughs> yeah, I think the first time you got me out, you did get me out, didn't you? Yeah, but what? the story went like the first time Essex played Northants at. Um, Wantage Road, you got 180 before I got you out. So I think yeah. you, you sort of politely suggested that it sort of cancelled out. That, that it cancelled out that, and then I, you actually, I, you got you got me out in that uh, MCC game, didn't you? Oh, that was like an awful long up, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, but I pulled a long up straight. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and then you got, uh, I think you got about what three times, didn't you? I think. Um, I got you out in that game when we Yorkshire got bowled out for 50, didn't I? Yeah, actually, but you got me off. I was on a pair, and you bowled me the worst ball. Like I probably like you remember first. Your I sat on the pair. I hate, I hate being on a pair. Like every and then you bowled me an absolute rack long off. I was like, I don't know if you entered it. I mean, it was, uh, I was like, cheers, Brooksy. Well, that's the story of my career, mate. <laughs> no, I managed to crud a cut for one to get off. Them. I love it. Uh, before we move on to the members' questions from the Barmy Army, Cookie, there's just another thing. Chris, you've got a story 
about Cookie from yeah. the Ashes, haven't you? Yeah, from the last Ashes tour when Cookie's always been a very good um, donator of gear to the Barmy Army and he's always been giving up his kit for the Barmy Army donation. He's scrambling his mind here for the story. Yeah, I'm just and, uh... waiting for the story because normally when, <laughs> normally when I saw the Barmy Army giving us something, I was fairly well lubricated. Yeah, he's always chucking all the gear at us for, um, for a charity donation. And it was Brisbane and we were going to Adelaide for the second test and Cookie very kindly gave us one of his jumpers. Um, I met him in Brisbane to get the jumper for the um, charity auction the, the day after. And we got to Adelaide and I think the temperature had changed quite a lot. And I got a call from Ruth oh, saying, yeah. hi, mate. Um, you know that jumper Cookie gave you? Would you mind nipping it back at 9am just when he goes out for his net and giving it? <laughs> it's not looking yeah, I, good I'll tell you what that was. Actually, we got given, this is genuinely true, we got given four jumpers because two were wrong. And I was convinced, so actually they were the wrong type or something. I don't know what. Like I actually gave you the right type. So suddenly when I opened my packet up, I was like, "Oh God!" Like, um, obviously Phil Neal, our team manager, like he doesn't like stuff like that. You know, he can't, he can't believe it. anyone can be so disorganised or so like I give the wrong jumper away. So yeah, I had to make some frantic phone calls when I opened my case. And I was like, "Oh God! I've actually got the wrong jumper now." We we're all told to make sure we had the right jumper. So I was like, Chris, Chris, I'll leave that jump back. You gotta swap, yeah. Yeah, you did swap us and we did get a lot of money for it. So. going to break away from Sir Alistair Cook just for a little moment and it might be something that might just prick your interest a little bit. So, Chris, Barmy Army man, please tell me what's going on. Thank you, James. Yeah, to celebrate the return of Test cricket, well, to our TV screens at least, we've decided to give away a whole host of Barmy Army merchandise to any new First Class members that sign up this summer. So anyone who signs up this summer from from the middle of June onwards to, to watch the England boys sat at home we're giving them a retro peach of Barmy merch from our warehouse we're doing a big um, big clear out and we've got some unbelievable items in there ranging from like a 2005 Barmy Army Ashes winning shirt 2010-11 Ashes winning shirt 2019 World Cup winning shirt and even some 2020 South Africa tour shirts mid layers and now 25 anniversary tour shirts as well so there's some really good stuff in there for for just £30 a year, which is what it costs to be a first-class member of the Army Army, you could get all your usual benefits, your discounts and your match tickets for next summer, T20 finals day, your advice in the UK. You can also get a free item of Army merch. What's not to love? No, that sounds pretty good, especially when people are going to be sat at home on the sofa looking for clinging on to anything that match day experience and uh, the Barmy Army coming up trumps once again so nice one just remind people how they can do that so Barmy Army website and or, or, or is that is, you know is that the best place to go absolutely. for it absolutely cool yes absolutely so just go on barmyarmy.com and membership on the website it's a very simple sign up process like I said £30 a year which is let's be honest around the drinks in London nowadays it's not a lot of cash be a part of the Barmy Army and be a part of the greatest sports club in the world and, uh, and help us out through these tough times. It'd be really nice to have you on board. Spot on, Chris. That sounds excellent. So just do all that and then you can enhance your test match watching experience this summer as things go. 
In the meantime, we'll shut up and then you can hear more from Sir Alistair Cook on the Shackles Are Off podcast. move on to the members questions Chris are you going to just explain what what this is kind of all about absolutely so throughout lockdown we've tried to bring all the Balmiami members closer to the cricket and heroes we've partnered with opening up who are the mental health charity within cricket um, to deliver these these sessions basically we've received loads of member questions and we we're going to read them out throughout the next course of the next half an hour some of them um, we might not be able to ask due to times but Unfortunately, we'll get as many in as we can. So, Greggy, are you going to kick us off? Yeah, I'll start us off. Yeah, and also a big, big thank you as well. Our listeners are very nice. We've managed to sort of eke a few of you out of the woodwork as well. So uh, thank you so much for <laughs> getting in touch. Um, first one from Mark Smith. Haven't really got a question for the chef, so good start. Uh, but I wanted to let him know how I'm, um, how made up I was that he managed to score 244 not out of the MCG on my 50th birthday third day of the test Billy even did a couple of renditions of happy birthday for me on the trumpet whilst I was sat in bay 13 dream come true you must hear a lot of things like that you know people talking about where they were for that knock and you know a couple of other memorable ones cookies it's quite nice to hear sort of the real side of things like that yeah again it's, it's one of the probably the sad things about being involved in a sporting event I mean there's not many I know it sounds a bit of a silly thing but to say but actually some of the, you know, those kind of stories about, you know, oh, I was here when you did that, or I was there when England won this, and, you know, when Brody got eight for 15, or Jimmy got his 500,000 wick or whatever he's got, <laughs> you know, to say, all that kind of like, I was here, I was doing this, and, and it kind of like, yeah, it actually does bring, like, bring it home, I suppose, probably the biggest example, I suppose, for me, well, that would be, would be my last innings, you know, I'm not like, I keep wanting to bring it back to myself, but it's, you know, how many people came to me on that last innings and said, do you know what I was doing? Or, you know, like yeah. Gemma Broad, so Stuart's sister used to work as the, the analysis girl, you know, the, you know, she or she or Nathan Lehman or whoever's doing it, like every ball is typed on the computer. So if you you see the bloke sitting there on the computer, like, you know, if you, if you play, you can watch 154 defences if you wanted to after you got out or you can watch the dismissal. So she's massively part of the squad with Stuart as well. And, she said I was, in, she, I was in the 90s and she drove into B&Q. I think other other amazing where are, are still available. I don't know if you have to stay around here. Uh, yeah, they are. Still that's, for, that's for BBC in a minute when I'm on that. Uh, yeah, um, you don't have to worry about it now, yeah. And she drove into B&Q and said, oh, I can't nip in, I have to wait I, if he does get it. And obviously, I got to that moment where I did luckily get 100. And she said she jumped up in her car and screamed like, yes. And she was like, and then she's like, what have I just done? And then realised the next car done exactly the same and it's only when you hear that kind of story after as you're just saying that you you kind of realize the impact kind of sport does have and it, you know we're all we're all fans as well so you know the rugby world cup england versus new zealand that semi-final like that pub you know the pub you're watching it or whoever you who are watching it with was just just a great moment wasn't it so actually it's being involved in the sport you don't quite see that but when you hear the stories afterwards it is very special Fantastic. that moment as well for us like we were as you know cookie we were there singing your song for uh, felt like hours on hours on hours. And it was just such a special moment. I was there in a full suit because I was 
um, I was pitching for some business actually <laughs> day. So I was like running back in a full suit and tie in the stands with the bar. It was like incredible moment. But how was that for you to to um, to score a hundred on your final game? Yeah, I, like it's it, there's certain things like I don't quite know why that happened, but it was. You know, for me, you know, a lot of people, for me, it just has helped with the transition period of being, so, you know, when you're an international player, you're kind of, you know, the forefront, you're, 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 you're you know, you are at the cold edge. It's, it's all exciting. It's tough. It's bad. It's amazing. It's you're on the edge of it. But for me to just finish like that and walk off, no, actually, the last time I ever batted for England, I like, scored 100. <laughs> it's just the final book yeah. note. There's no, like, yeah. you know, there's not many people, unfortunately, get that moment. Um, and it just like yeah, there's no everyone asked, oh, you wish you had Virat Kohli said when I was about 120 odd. I said, are you regretting your decision? I was like, no, I couldn't be further away from regretting the decision. It's like the perfect way just to walk off knowing. Actually, last time I batted, I still was half decent. We'll we're, we'll we'll forget about the rubbish I produced the whole of that summer before that. But it was uh, <laughs> for that for that like hundred or whatever it was, those 150 overs I batted was. I felt like I played as well as I could have done, and that's quite a nice thing to have in your mind. Magic. That was awesome. It was awesome to watch. <clears throat> it was so cool. But just the atmosphere of the place. Just even yeah. when you're watching on TV, it was just continuing. You had to keep raising your bat and sort of signalling, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, yeah. I mean, it was. I think Rooters in the '90s as well. And but it was. It was slightly embarrassing. The, the worst bit about that week, actually. I, that, there's not a bad bit about any week when you retire <laughs> like, and you go out like that. But actually, was the you know, a lot of the people text me that in that when I announced it after the Southampton game. It doesn't matter. Just go out and enjoy. Just enjoy your final game. Enjoy your final game. But actually, because the centre of attention, you are the centre of attention, which is not really my what my thing. You think well, you get a standing ovation from just walking down the stairs. I mean, if I didn't trip down the stairs, I'd be all right. But <laughs> I, I get a standing ovation, then you can't. You take guard. You think God, it was so embarrassing if you walk off with a low, like a really low score, a naught or five. What do you do? Like people will give you a standing ovation to walk back. Do you raise your bat? And the stupid things like this were going through my mind. And did I like you? Probably I didn't enjoy. You don't like. You don't really enjoy like the you know the guard of honor or anything. You should enjoy because you are just so desperate to do well. Because yeah. for me, it was just saving the embarrassment of uh, you know not making a fool out yourself. As in just that little bit of uncertainty. So score runs kind of made it be. Oh my, Brooksy. Um, yeah, straight in with, um, I think it's former football manager, former Crystal Palace manager, Alan Smith. Uh, yeah. The 80s and 90s, a Barmy Army member. Barmy Army um, legend. Got a couple legend. little questions for you. On that innings at the MCG, actually, he says, uh, what can you remember from your innings that day? Um, what was the atmosphere like and what, how cold was the beer afterwards? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really struggled on that tour for form actually and for whatever reason I still I mean it's sad that it happened when we'd really lost the series but for those for those two days I batted you know you know I I batted as well as I, I could possibly bat and and just hearing you know that the getting it the getting the hundred the night before and the last over was very special actually Brody said that you know I I well I did cry I cried when I got in the change I think more of relief I think I've never done that before I don't know what I'm pretty an unemotional guy about a lot of things. But I couldn't control myself. And then the next day, I just, I just, you know, batting, I batted as well as I could bat. And then just looking back now, you don't, again, you don't really appreciate at the time the noise of the bar. I mean, my wife actually and children were in, were in Bay 13 or whatever. I can't remember it was the Barmy Army was in Bay 13, but that bit yeah, they were there. That chunk, that big chunk they were there singing 
all day. And they've got amazing videos of that day that Elsie <laughs> on and Isabel on Alice's shoulders or, you know, with other other wives and girlfriends there and they're just having a hell of a time and I think looking again looking back and you see Stuart Broad jump up in the air as I hit that on drive for four and, and you see that everyone in the Barmy Army jump up it was you know I don't remember the innings but I kind of remember that that noise which was very 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 special and yeah I, again I'm not really good at putting it into words but actually is yeah, looking back now was an incredible four-year hours. It's quite funny you've mentioned that, Cookie, because our um, co-founder, Dave Peacock, said his favourite story is he submitted the next question. He said, um, is it true that when you got back to your hotel room that night that your daughter, instead of calling you daddy, sang the Ali Cook song to you? Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> she did. She just kept on saying, kept on singing the song. And it's when, it when she started singing Johnny Bairstow's song. <laughs> oh, Johnny Bester, you are the love of my life. Oh, Johnny Bester, yeah, you. stop now. My wife. <laughs> like, and we were like, we were like, ah, kiss my wife, kiss my wife. <laughs> yeah, so just or dance with, dance with my wife. Ah, oh, should have thought of that one. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so she got to a stage on that. She knew a lot of the. Uh, you could say when you're, uh, what is Jimmy Anderson's song or what is Johnny Bester's song? Fantastic. Fantastic. And then what, what was your favourite Barmy Army song throughout the years, Cookie? Now, I, my best, I think the best Barmy Army little thing was when Jesse Ryder punched, <laughs> you know, punched yeah, his, yeah. Um, punched oh, it. and it's probably the first, uh, punched that glass or thing, wherever he was at whatever time he was, is when Phil Mustard said he was fine when I was with him at six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> when the news broke the next day, when we had a recovery session. Um, the yeah, I mean that that was my first really real experience of the Barmy Army. Obviously, two thousand six when I went to Nagpur, um, like uh, what obviously, obviously everyone was there, but it was there I can't. And then the Ashes wasn't a great Ashes obviously two thousand six seven. I obviously remember the Barmy Army course there, but what I'm saying was that's the first time I went to New Zealand New Zealand in two thousand eight where I started to meet like meet as a lot smaller group. Yeah. You started to meet meet the guys and. You know, we had that. If you actually the thirsty well, or the I think it's the thirsty well, the blue well, no, it's thirsty well, I think in Napier when we won that series where Barmy Army took over the whole pub and Collie was on singing, <laughs> you know, the jungle song from you know Graham's yeah. big Graham song, doing his part, and that's the first. That was the first time I really appreciate, really appreciate Barmy and get started to know him. And that Jesse Ryder song, you you can Google it; it's brilliant, <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. That, that's my favourite in terms of. When, they, when every single time that guy sung it, I, I think it was, I can't remember his name now. He had his old, old school blazer on. I said, you should stay, you should come on every talk with us. And he said, well, I've got a job. And it was just, it was just brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Um, next question then from the members. Thank you to Peter Titmus who asks, and it's sort of leading on um, nicely on from what we've just been talking about, which innings and which tour in your career gave you the most satisfaction? 2010 Adelaide or Melbourne 2017? I bet you get asked these sort of choice questions quite a lot. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, you have to kind of group those three in, in 2010-11 as a, as a one, as a, as a whole series, really. It's quite yeah. hard to split. Like Brisbane was, you know, to come out of Brisbane 517 for one after looking, you know, after day three when we're, Looking down the barrel of a defeat to, to play a really significant part in saving that, and that's that was I I, I think I wrote somewhere that was my first I thought my time my first time in my England hit career that's about f- probably four years into it. I I really contributed to something really special there, 
and kind of went from the step of not, you know, I think it was my 14th test hundreds. It wasn't as if I hadn't scored hundreds, but the first time I made a real, that real big difference. Uh, and then to back it up the next, the, about three days later at Adelaide, to be able to do that was, and obviously Sydney when we needed, you know, when, you know, every, you know we got five, 700 again, Matt Prime, Ian Bell got hundreds. But again, just that as a group, that that tour will forever live in my memory. You know, when Mitchell Johnson, when Chris Tremlett bowled Mitchell Johnson for the first song in Sydney, where the Barmy Army sang his bowling song and then changed the word to his batting is... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, on the way on the way out. Actually, I was I was at mid on that time, and I was shining. I was the ball shining on the tour, and I, I was speaking to Tremors as you know, we're like kind of like laughing because we're not that we've done the job. But obviously, I think you're bang eight, and we, we're still, we're going to win whether one tonight or the next day. And he just said, "I'm just going to try and bowl this as fast as I can." <laughs> and you know, he just got an absolute jaff for beat Mitchell for pace, and the noise that day of the Barmy Army that uh, you know that was incredible. Again, another one you can find on YouTube and just see the the pure elation of the whole thing. It was incredible. Um, so that is a, you know, that probably going back as a, as a player to go and relive probably that test match. I'd like to go and live to Sydney. Um, Cause that had such more significance than just the 200 at the Melbourne, uh, but in, India as well, India away in 2012, first test tour as captain, not, I wouldn't say it's the Barmy army there, but I, again, there's so many members of, of it. You know, Bangladesh, when we went back for security, I think there was six, Barmy, meant the, yeah. the six Barmy Army there, and we had a drink. With, you know, actually, one of the guys is a really good friend of mine, Brother H. Um, I know his brother really well. Uh, he's called Brother H in our group here, and he he was there. And he actually, Isabel was my daughter. My second daughter was born that day, and I flew that day to go back to Bangladesh. It was obviously quite an emotional time, and he picked me up from the airport. And we went together and stuff. So, um, but but again, brilliant. six people in Bangladesh were told not to go. It's just yeah, you know, little stories like that. Brilliant. Love it. Absolutely. I also love the fact that you have probably on occasion got lost in a YouTube hole watching the Barmy Army go mental. Yeah, it's I incredible. like that a lot. No, but you do that. You do. You yeah. like, um, like, and most of it happens on tour. Like, you know, as Brooks, he knows when you, you know, you're sometimes at the end of a training and everyone's, like, oh, you're in Australia or wherever, you're in India, what are you going to do? And you're knackered. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. And you just, I'm just, and then you start, you start just sitting on your computer and you end up, yeah, oh, I'll go back and watch that. And it's brilliant. Love it. Brooksy, next question. Yeah, mate. Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Clifford, thanks for your question. Um, it's quite a tough one, I think, Cookie. Who was your favourite person to bat with over your entire England career and why? It, it, it is a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. Um, yeah, has anyone seen The Edge? Yeah, yeah, the edge, yeah we all yeah. love it. We, all, we, we talk to a lot of our guests about it, actually. Yeah, no, I know. And actually, seeing what that meant to Trotty to like, and actually, oh, you know, when he couldn't, yeah, incredible. at the end, actually, I we, we went to watch the premiere of it. Actually, that really, again, I'm pretty, that got me when he was like, I miss batting with, you know, myself, Strauss. And actually, uh, I don't have a favorite person. I think the obviously, me and Strauss, with the way you know, we batted so many times together at the top of the order, um, Trotty with his, you know, his method, his routine, which is laughable at one stage, but you just, the amount of like, you, you're backing the other end to him, you just like know this bloke's, you know, if he gets in, he's getting 100, you know, he's <laughs> he's so rock solid. Then you had the flair of KP, you know, we are batting, you know, the we had a great record together, you know, actually probably chalk and cheese in terms of, you know, he wanted the limelight, I was quite happy to give him the singles, he'll dominate the bowler, I'll look to sit back, we actually complimented each really well, then you had Belly, who was just pure class, and then adding now onto like, Joe Root, who's just, you know, I, you know, probably at the top of the tree of all the batters, in my opinion, like how good he is, 
You know, I think he's the best English batter I've seen in terms of like the way he plays, the way he, you know, he does it. He just changes tempo a little bit for each form of the game. Whether it's twenty twenty one day or or test, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell really the way he played. I think that's such an unbelievable skill to have. Uh, you know, and there's you know, there's so many good players. Ben Stokes, I've missed out loads that I probably should. So I, I've just been lucky to play in this era. Era, you know, yeah. you know, there's some great players who who had success with England but never had quite the same success as we've had over maybe the last 15 years or so. And that's just pure coincidence, isn't it? Pure luck, you know, who, who you are, who, you, who your teammates are. And to call some of those, you know, all once-in-generation players that I played with, there's, you could, like you said, I call them once-in-generation players, but you could probably have 10 of them. You know, 12, that's, that's yeah. unbelievably lucky to be part of that era. You know, and I don't like going back, like Alex Stewart, a once-in-generation player, never won Ashes or Atherton or... Saying I don't, not I'm bringing up because of that, but if they'd have played in our side or played the different side, you know, they would have won some of the stuff. And it's uh, you know I just feel very fortunate that we had so many good players around. Love it. Fantastic yeah. answer. Great answer, Cookie. Again, leading straight into the next one. Thank you, James Drew, for the question. He's asked out of all the Test openers that you've had after Andrew Strauss, who did you feel was the best or should have been given a bit longer? Uh, again, it's a, it's a really tough one to say because obviously I was part of the selection for most of these ones. None of them. None of them. I do then sit on the I do then sit on the fence like I never actually have a vote, but then everyone knows that that's a real lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just think it was it, it, it yeah it was tough. I think all of them got a pretty much a fair go, seven or eight games and. The problem is none of, everyone kind of, kind of way kind of got out in the same kind of way. I was like, at least run yourself out or do something different. And I always go back to the go back to the Sam Robson <laughs> thing because I think he like all of the. I'm not ever. This is going to sound like I'm like sick of it. All of them are really good players. There's no doubt about it. You know, Adam Live. I watched Adam bat when I first saw him on tour. I was like, this guy is a really really good player. But again, just ran into. An Ashes series, New Zealand series is his first seven games. Now, yeah. you can't pick and choose when you make your debut. You can't pick and choose. But that, that's tough. That's a tough. An Ashes series is a tough place to go. And, and again, the wickets we produced, obviously, Laws is a flat one. But you know, they were fairly they were fairly spicy wickets. And again, yeah. you know, again, I got, I, Adam is such a strong player through the offside. You probably don't want to face so many left armers. And with Stark, Johnson, yeah. actually, do you know what I mean? It kind of... The matchups didn't quite work. Now, if he had started maybe against the West Indies when Trotty got the nod ahead of him, you know, you just don't know quite how that's going to work. Um, so, you know, they all, they're all like Sam Robson. I remember watching Sam Robson's one I feel like you know, I will never forget, like in terms of people asking what the difference between county cricket and international cricket is. And it's just, and it's, you know, the guy, he get getting out to like Boomerang, you know, the, uh, not Boomerang, um, Kumar, the little, 78 mile, 80. Yeah, he yeah. was then, but he was obviously he's gone a bit quicker now. But at that stage, so guys, we faced quite a lot in county cricket, and he got out quite a lot of times nicking to first or second slip. And we're in that last test match of the summer. We bowled him out pretty cheaply at the Oval, and kind of everyone kind of knew we we're probably only going to bat once. If it all goes, back. you don't know that, but you know, like India kind of gone, and we're going to we're definitely going to win the series. And we bowled him out cheaply with the one big score. You're probably only going to bat once, and. He's knowing in his head because that's what everyone's been writing about that he uh, he's kind of playing his place for the winter tour, and Sky and quite not this is not having to go at Sky they're just doing their job showed all his dismissals from that series which was yeah. pretty much Kumar nicking him off at, from fourth or fifth stump balls to second slip, and I remember I thought, oh God I hope 
Sam's not watching that because we were, you know, at the Oval where, you know, that kind of glass thing, the TV's up there and he stood right next to me. I was like, right, this is going to be a really big test for him because if he can get through that, you know, he can see the scrutiny, he knows the scrutiny, can he get through that and then deliver under under that kind of pressure? And ultimately, I, I, I say in my story that he, he does actually, um, he nicks off in the same way. I can't remember if he actually does, but he gets a low score. And I, that, to me, encapsulates what's the difference between the levels. It wasn't the bowler because he faces, yes, Kumar's a, a brilliant bowler and, you know, very skillful, but there's, there's so many of those kind of bowlers in county cricket on nibbly wickets. And he can handle it. He's got, he had a great record. Um, but just that, that was it. Could he handle it? He couldn't quite do it. And I think all of the guys I suppose opened with just probably had a couple of flaws that they couldn't quite overcome at certain times, you know, to be consistent enough. And that's, that's what it is. And um, yeah, it's fantastic answer. Well, ultimately that's what it is. Like, yeah. and it's a horrible thing to say that probably had a couple of flaws. They just weren't quite good enough to, um, to, to get through that period. But that doesn't mean that they wouldn't come again as some of those players. But yeah, that's what... Nice. You, sorry, off the back of that, did you feel, because there wasn't a settled opening partnership, did you feel a little bit more on your shoulders for a little while because of that? Uh, no, I, of course, in an absolute ideal world, you'd love a settled top of the order just because, you know, what it gives you, what it gives the team, what it gives you as a confidence thing. I don't think I don't think it did really. I mean, I was probably out just as many times as the other guy was out early as well. We you know we did struggle at the top of the order for for a couple of years, and um, it definitely helped. Did it? I don't know. I I think that if I if I started feeling like that, that's that'll only be me making an excuse for it. That's the honest answer. Like the guy at the other end, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like he's not batting for you. Coach is not batting for you. It's down to you delivering. Of course, in a, of course, in like you're talking about ideal worlds, it's so much better being 50 for none. You know, as a bowler, if you're getting 50 for none, you're thinking, God, I'm in here for the day. Yeah? And your next spell, your second spell, doesn't quite have the same thing because you're thinking, Jesus, these guys are playing well. This could be 150 overs for us in the dirt. But if 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 your opposition are 30 for three, you stiff actually. We 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 could get through them today. And you know your second spell's got a bit more intensity in it, and that you're because naturally your team's doing well. So that, like that, that probably happened more, but nothing that didn't affect kind of my runs. My what I scored is what I scored, and you know there's no other way of looking about that. Nice, great insight, this cookie. Fantastic stuff. This one's sort of moving away from the game. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a bit more lighthearted with the bar, me. I mean, it's gone a bit deep here. this one is. This one is. I promise you. It's um. It's it's. It's kind of, it's an interesting one, and I'm not sure you'll probably have an instant answer to this. It's probably one where you need a little bit of thinking time. Tom Jackson asked the question, can you name your top five cricket grounds that you've played in all over the world? Because let's be fair, I'm trying to give you a bit of thinking time here, Cookie. We go to some amazing places. So you might already have a top five in place, I don't know. Well, I've got a few. I've got a few. I mean, there's one which certainly won't be, which would be the the game we played... um, in Bangladesh as a warm-up game, which was next to the sewage factory. Oh, and I no. can tell you what, that I mean, that did smell. And if the wind was right, which it pretty much was in the right direction, <laughs> it was a fairly brutal three days. Um, I mean, as I was bullshit as well. And I, probably, I mean, they probably didn't walk the outfield with, with Buxton water either. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that won't be there. No offense. Uh, look, I you can't look past Lords. You can't look past Lords. Um, incredible grounding. It's just something about that place. It's a bit like Wimbledon. It's got something which you can't put words into. You literally can't put words why it's so special. It hums. It 
has that thing. Um, so Lords is always there. Newlands just for the pure um, beauty of the of Table Mountain and the, the setting mm -hmm. of it. I think it's incredible, incredible cricket ground. Um, I think you know, yeah, but in Chelmsford, is always in there. You know it is. <laughs> I just love watching every. The only bit I don't like about Chelmsford is when you sit on the balcony. And, I mean, the, all these other bowlers. You know, you, Brooksy, as we played them the other day, like played last season. He was off fifteen times. Like got a blister on his sock or whatever. There we he, go. He'd already got me out. And he, the, the balcony's not wide enough to walk past. <laughs> the so balcony. You, like, you put your feet on the balcony. Time. Huh? The balconies are shambles at the best times because you've got to walk. Well, the away team have got to walk past the home team first of yeah. all. So you've always got like coaches or twelfth man or someone. It's always like a, no eye contact sort of thing. Yeah, I mean that's the only bad thing I think about Chelmsford Ground actually. So I don't... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't like sitting side on. That's the bad thing about playing at Somerset now. You sit inside on. I'm not really a fan of doing that. No, but it actually makes you look quicker than you are, Brooks. Well, yeah, there's always the ball. <laughs> I need every every mile an hour I can get these days. You got clocked at 100 on Sky last year, didn't you, Brooksy? Or <laughs> yeah. 90, 90 odd? 100k's, yeah. yeah. maybe, yeah. <laughs> 100k. Uh, um, what else? Um, uh, the one in Queenstown is, yeah. uh, with the remarkable mountains in the background. And just, actually, I mean, that was, we did a team meeting at the top of the remarkable mountains, which <laughs> after a day of the warm up came <laughs> with eight days in Queenstown as a warm up. I mean, yeah. We didn't win the first test match. Uh, <laughs> nice a few days. No, amazing. Uh, that that's up there. Um, Come on, one more then, if you're counting Chelmsford in there, which of course you probably are. Of course. I mean, why not? Fine. Double champion. Bedford School in there as well. Matt the runs he scored there. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I can quite justify that. that one. Um, <laughs> one more. Do you know what? Actually, a ground I've never won a game at. But I think it's, and it's really sad, really sad. And actually, I had some, I've got some pretty bad memories of the ground. But I, always, I mean, Wacker is, to me, always felt like a cricket ground. And I, the Adelaide Oval, I mean, I, I do like the ground, but I, I love it. That's why I think Lords is so special. I know that there's so many other reasons for it. Lords is expanding, but still, it's because its primary purpose is a cricket ground. You, know, you go to MCG, it feels like a stadium. And Adelaide is kind of almost gone stadium is now. Incredible what they've done. It's, it is beautiful, but almost more stadium and that's why uh, the Wacker that's a bit more run down than it is but there's so much history when you get into that ground I mean I've played there three times and lost three times so I shouldn't really uh, I shouldn't really Great say memories there. There, but I do it feels like a cricket ground I can't sure I can have it in my top five but, um, but yeah. that's a good five a good um, a good balance there nice um, strong five. Um, I've got I don't know how's your memory from um, Anna Tilbrook asks would you ask him if he's learned to play Sweet Caroline on the piano yet? I gave him my music for it last year after an event oh, he was speaking yeah. and I was playing at. And of the piano. Yes. For sure. That is right. <laughs> How's your piano um, skills? Yes. Yes. I did learn it, but I've forgotten it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did. I, I could actually play a bit. Well, I say when I learn it, I could play, I could play a handful of a bit of it. Actually, my Elsie's just started now. So she's starting to learn the piano which is quite quite cool but they learn it with like animals say a then the note a is an ant note g is a goose and stuff so it's quite funny i might use that for my guitar that's a great idea i'm struggling to learn the guitar at the minute i might use that like that elephant gorilla what else we got i'm not sure what elephant i'm not e is what's e oh egg egg nice 
Yeah, okay. We haven't, on, we haven't got onto the, the flats nor the sharps yet, so. Well, again, another transition into the next question. On your children, would you have any ambitions to see any mini cook cricketers out of the household one day? I mean, I, I, I mean I'm trying. I mean, I, 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 we've got Jack, who's probably who's just come out to 20, 20 months now, and he can say a lot of things, and none of them are cricket, all of them related to tractors. Um, he loves Tractor <laughs> Ted. Honestly, Tractor Ted is his thing. Um, and Diggers, JC, he can say JCB, but he can't say Ford Defence. So I'm, I might be losing. I might be losing the thing. But yeah, look, I, of course, you know, you, you, you just don't know, do you? And I, I mean, of course, if there any, I've got two girls, Elsie and Isabel, who are six and three and a half. And then Jack, who's coming up to us, actually was due that last week, actually. The, um, it was, I think it was due on day four day four I kept checking my phone on that last test match I kept checking my phone hoping that when we're fielding Alice had gone into labour so I could miss a bit of fielding but um, <laughs> and she hadn't she uh, Jack came a bit later but um, yeah like of course if they if they want to do it we'll, you know, I'll give try and try and do what my parents and give them every opportunity to do that but certainly, certainly won't be any pressure for them to play cricket if they don't want it lovely answer Brooksy I think you're up now yeah. Yeah, I've got a question from Opening Up Cricket, who are a Barmy Army partner. They do a bit with mental health, don't they, Chris? They do, yeah. Mental health prevention through um, cricket. Use cricket as a tool to open people um, up to talk. Yeah, they've, they've said... Uh, Cookie's been quoted before about talking about his physical fitness. Um, you're obviously dominant in things like the yo-yo test and running and, and pretty prolific swimmer as well, aren't you? Um, to build up your resilience. So any more on that would be brilliant. Any specific techniques you can share would be great. No, just apart from run. Keep um, running. Just keep running. Just keep running, like Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the youngsters, Aaron Beard, his winter program this year was to try and beat me in the yo-yo. Um, so yeah, I, I I told him I hadn't done any training. I've been drinking too much. It's fat and slow, but you're still looking good, Nick, mate secretly started secretly started about in november no, I, I, I started i started i started middle of january and i, and I literally i but i did text and say i'll start i said i said to him i'll start in mid-feb if you can't beat an old man who's done three weeks training then you've got you've got no chance in yo-yo and when we say running test if there's a sprint a jump or any kind of thing like that i am pretty much i am the second slowest at essex i think and I've got my least jumps than ever. But there's one thing I've never, I will try and remain undefeated, which is the bleep test or yo-yo test. Have you I completed just, it? What's the best score on it? No, I haven't completed it. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's all those rooms. I think Neil Bat ran, ran it forward and then ran it backwards or ran it all the <laughs> way up and then ran it all down. It's all those kind of Beckham did, Ronaldo did on his head or something. But um, <laughs> they, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of said I haven't been beaten in a yo-yo test and... In my professional career, I don't genuinely think I have. Um, James Taylor got a better score than me in one time, but he did it the day after. Doesn't count. It's not head to head. It's not head to head thing. So beardy, beardy thing was. It shows how sad I am. I was 35 years old, <laughs> coming back, coming back up after retiring from international cricket, and I was still bothered about whether I got that beat the yo-yo or not. Beat the yo-yo. You'll never lose that. I did. I did beat him just to let everyone know. So. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Amazing. And and when I did, and this is I, when I did it, I took my shirt off and ran the next level like that, just the next <laughs> up and down, just as he just collapsed on the floor. I don't know why I did it, but I was, he oh, got into my bubble. I thought he was going to beat me. So. 
fantastic. Don't get in Cookie's bubble. I'm so sad. I'm, I mean, everyone thinks, yeah, not everyone thinks I'm cool. I, I am a very sad individual. <laughs> that was nearly the best quote ever. Everyone thinks, everyone I'm, thinks cool. I'm cool. I'm not. I'm not. No, not everyone thinks I'm cool. Everyone thinks I'm normal. I'm not normal. I'm very sad in the number of ways. <laughs> very good. That's now, brilliant. Abigail and Amy Chandler have asked, what's your weirdest encounter with a fan? I'm sure you've had many. Great question. Um, Fantastic question. Yeah, good question. I think probably the the weirdest one when I first uh, went to Nagpur on that debut and this girl asked me to marry in the signs and then I saw her afterwards and was like, you know, at the ground. I sort of didn't know quite know what to do. I was 21 years old. I was like... But actually, the probably the weirdest one was <laughs> the... A bloke in Melbourne came up to me and, I, you know, everyone who knows me knows my memory is... Honestly, I, I've got the worst memory in in living history of anything and uh, how I haven't forgotten to do this tonight I don't know but the that kind of thing and he came up to me and he just went great to see you cookie nice to see you and I was like oh my god I stared at him I could not remember who this was right and I was thinking right is it any of my family is it my brother I don't think it's my brother like I started going down I started listing like no, no uncle no then I started going to Alice's friends. I was like, oh, no. And I started thinking, did I go to school with him? I started trying to literally lead him a couple of questions. So, by the way, we're in an airport and you know, it's, we're traveling. I was like, I just got to stage and he wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> got to stage. I just, I, I, but I'm really sorry. I, I know we must have met before, but I just, I just, I can't remember who you are. Expecting a really embarrassing, it's like, oh, I'm your second cousin or something. He goes, oh, no, we met exactly the same time four years ago on the last tour in the same airport. I was like, oh, brilliant. So I was like, you're expecting me to remember that? <laughs> you're expecting me to remember that from four years ago? And I was like, oh, brilliant. I literally, uh, uh, my heart, I was like, so that was the weirdest encounter, but it was probably the, some of the questions I was trying to ask him, trying to uh, <laughs> work it out, yeah. Trying to see if I lead, lead away. I the couldn't. the so Melbourne like, Airport mystery encounter. guest. <laughs> yeah, jeez, I mean, you do bloody well to... If you're listening to this, Melbourne Airport mystery guest, please write in. We'll yeah, get please do. Quickly. And I apologise, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't apologise that much. <laughs> I love you it. That so often, uh, we've got another question from Keith Sims, who asked um, us lads a question in the intro about Brooksy, but he's back for more. He's back. He's asking you a question this time, Cookie. He's saying, a question for Sir Alistair Cook, which opposition captain... Did you enjoy beating more than any other? And this is a Barmy Army kind of thing. So they're obviously looking to tease, I don't know, probably one or two names in particular out of you. Yeah. Um, uh, the grin on your face, by the way, for those watching, <laughs> is, is great. I love it. I'm trying to think whether... If it's not Australian, it doesn't count, really. That's be no, honest. I... <laughs> I did. I did. Well, I like. Of course, you're going to be Australian. Of course, Michael Clark yeah. is always an enjoyable, enjoyable one to to have won against. Um, I was, Nicely I, worded. I, yeah, that's it. I just have to go that because I think I, I think the other guy never actually won as I played. I wasn't when I wasn't captain when we beat him, so I can't say that one. <laughs> nice. Very diplomatic cookie. He's, oh, good. Good. he's good. He's, do, he's done this before. He's answered all well, the questions. Sli- I know. He's still going to be slightly careful, isn't you? Yeah, no, no you're all right. <laughs> um, and Brooks, you've got a final yeah, question final, for Cookie. Final question from the uh, from the supporters, Matty Rose. Cookie on your farm. Have you named any of your lamb, lambs, Alan? 
<laughs> I was wondering where that was going, actually. Um, surprisingly, I haven't. But if my daughters, they, they tend to name their couple of pets. I think we've got Dottie, Domino, Moxie. Um, so we've got a few. There's, about, there's always a handful of handful of pet ones which have got names. There's 2,000 or so of them, or 3,000. So it's not, wow. it's not sure you can name every single one, but uh, there's a, there's <laughs> a lot handful. Of <laughs> I think you know what next year next year if I if we can find if we can find one and not find if it happens to be a pet which is a boy we'll call in Alan and then we I'll get a photo I'll get a amazing get a photo and I'll send it to you Brooksy and then you can that wasn't my question mate <laughs> yeah. uh, it doesn't matter your question no it was it was Brooksy's question he just disguised it as someone else that's what it was <laughs> that's quite Brooksy yeah isn't it yeah. How, how are the uh the sheep and the farm farm life for the last few months been fun yeah yeah it's been good it's been brilliant <laughs> like yeah there hasn't like again like lockdown hasn't really changed too much for us because we were like well obviously i haven't gone training and stuff like that but i just we just yeah. like you unfortunately with the animals you've got to you've got to look after them you see you still got to move them you still got to be there we've had yes yeah, slightly less people on the farm so it's a bit more work but it's a bit less time pressure because you know you're not shooting off to go and you know, you haven't got dinner in the evening, not nothing to me, although, you know, so there's a bit less. It's been, it's been really nice, actually. The weather's been kind, hasn't it, for, for Lambert? Oh, yeah, it's been, mm. it has it's been, been pretty good. good. It's a lot of good weather for cricket, haven't we? But I suppose it's been nice for you to spend time with the family as well, like. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, not everyone's forget I have been around like the last two years, really. So it's not as if I retired, I did retire a while ago. So, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, we've probably missed a, a few flat ones, haven't we, Brooksy? Your hundred as well. You're looking to have doubled that count this year. Oh yes, I, you know, we got it in. You know what? I have was, you got another one in you? We've got it in the pod. We've had it in every show. We've got it in every pod. I wasn't sure it was in the pod. <laughs> I just wonder whether Brooksy's got another hundred in him. If I've I got another, what, I, I bat eleven now <clears throat> at Somerset. They got good tail end batters, and we haven't played any cricket this year, so that's obviously not helping chance, is it? So no. I'm happy if one mate. You can talk. You can dine out on one, can't you? If you, if you score more than one, you. Probably are good, aren't you? Talking of that, it's not, my, it's not my test wicket. I, I was going to say that. Exactly. Dining out on one. <laughs> Talk to us about it, actually, because um, it's it's great. I mean, I've seen it so many times. It's actually unbelievable a delivery, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I nicked him off. I don't know what anyone nicked him off. Caught behind. <laughs> I don't know what anyone's about. All I do know was, all I don't know is, I've got a test average of seven as a bowler, Brilliant. and I did it on a flat wicket. Flat wicket, it was an old ball and doing impressions, and I got wicket. Easy, <laughs> mate. Imagine, imagine if I got a new ball on the green seamer and I took it seriously, what I'd have achieved. I think you'd have beaten Jimmy's record, mate. You'd have been absolutely wasted by <laughs> Oh dear. Um, Cookie, great note to end on. Thank you so much for joining in and um, I'm slightly conscious that you are now doing another bit of media work, which I think... Turn into five live, the toughest of born on the art of opening. I mean, Jesus, that's ever gonna send what, you to sleep. Opening, opening wine or what? I don't know. <laughs> that's what you've been doing at the minute, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for uh, for for joining us, Cookie. It's much appreciated. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, Cookie. From uh, Cookie, top man, mate. Top man. Top man. See you soon, pal. Top man. Take care. Cheers, guys. See you later. Cheers. Well, that was brilliant, wasn't it? So Alistair has left us. Brooksy's now tucking into a little bit of food. He was great, wasn't he? And actually really engaging and funny and relaxed and stuff as well. It's the first time I've actually spoke to him properly. So that was that was brilliant. And um, thank you to all the listeners and viewers 
We'll send in their questions. Now. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, lads, I mean, you know, great bloke, isn't he? Yeah, top Absolutely man. Just such a good bloke. You, know, you can see um, how good he was at cricket through, like, the personality almost, you know what I mean? But when he's talking about how he played every level of cricket and reached the top, he, he genuinely means that. So he just challenges and challenges and kept beating them. But what an incredible human being. <laughs> what I love is um, how all he's achieved and all he's done in the game and how long he's played for him in England captain won the Ashes and everything he's still very humble he hasn't really yeah. forgotten he hasn't really changed as like we mentioned um, when we first met a sort of 18, 19 year olds right at the beginning of our careers way before really anything was really happening in our careers and he hasn't really changed to be honest with you. he's got a lot more confident and um, he knows how to hold himself and how to speak and people will listen but he he doesn't get out of his box he's not arrogant or anything like that is he? No. Top man. And what I really enjoyed as well, I've got to say, was that he knew and remembered the deliveries where you'd got him out, Brooksy. And I mean, you know, and, and this is no sort of slur on you, but, you know, he has been dismissed a lot of times. And, and you probably can't remember all of your wickets that you've taken. But that was, that, that well, really struck me. I can talk you through them if you want. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, let's get going. You've got, what, 400 nod, haven't you? Well, yeah. well, I've just 460 odd first class, but obviously yeah. add on the others as well. We've probably got another hundred, so we could yeah. do we could do a full series on that if you want. <laughs> or then again, I, um, yeah, that was um, quite funny. Like the like the first one he said when uh, he said he'd retire, it was just like he missed a full off volley. The next time I got him out, he he managed to pull a rank, honestly, one of the worst long ops you've ever seen, just straight to mid wicket. Adil Rashid just went caught it in front of his face. Um, it was actually the third one. I actually felt like I got him out when I nicked him off. But yeah, he's um, he's definitely in my. When someone says he's the best player you've got out, he is. He's up there, isn't he, with his record. Yeah, incredible. What 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 some some fantastic got tongue tied then. Some fantastic um, questions from the members as well. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a full sort of series of these booked in. So if you like the podcast or you like watching on YouTube. Um, just whatever, subscribe and also just tell a mate. You know, you never know; they might enjoy it if they're you know bored at the moment and and you know love the cricket. Do let them know about the podcast and Barmy Meats as well. So thank you very much. Look out on all our social media channels for more. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks for asking questions. And see you again soon. We can actually wave this time. Bye bye. Good night. God bless. Back to the studio. <laughs>
Well, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Sir Alistair has left us. Brooks, he's now tucking into a little bit of food. He was great, wasn't he? And actually really engaging and funny and relaxed and stuff as well. It's the first time I've actually spoke to him properly. So that was that was brilliant. And um, thank you to all the listeners and viewers for sending viewers their questions. Now. Exactly. Yeah, so um, lads, I mean, you know, great bloke, isn't he? Yeah, top Absolutely man. sensational. Bloke, isn't he? Just such a good bloke. You, know, can, you can see um, how good he was at cricket through like the personality almost, you know what I mean? But when he's talking about how he played every level of cricket and reached the top, he, he genuinely means that. So he just challenges and challenges and kept beating them. But what an incredible human being. <laughs> what I love is um, how all he's achieved and all he's done in the game and how long he's played for. I mean, England captain, and won the Ashes and everything. He's still very humble. Hasn't really yeah. forgotten. He hasn't really changed as like we mentioned um, when we first met, sort of 18, 19 year olds, right at the beginning of our careers, way before really anything was really happening in our careers. And he hasn't really changed, to be honest. With you. He's got a lot more confident and um, he knows how to hold himself and how to speak. And people will listen, but he, he doesn't get out of his box. He's not arrogant or anything like that, is he? He's no. Top man. And what I really enjoyed as well, I've got to say, was that he knew and remembered the deliveries where you'd got him out, Brooksy. And I mean, you know, and, and this is no sort of slur on you, but, you know, he has been dismissed a lot of times. And, and you probably can't remember all of your wickets that you've taken. But that was, that, that really well, I struck me. I you through them if you want. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, let's get going. You've got, what, 400 nod, haven't you? Well, yeah, well, just 460 odd first class, but obviously yeah, add on the others as well. We've probably got another 100, so... We could yeah. do we could do a full series on that if you want, or then again. I, um, yeah, that was um, quite funny. Like the like the first one he said when uh, he said he'd retire, it was just like he missed a, a full off volley. The next time I got him out, he, he managed to pull a rank, honestly, one of the worst long offs you've ever seen, just straight to mid wicket. Adil Rashid just went caught it in front of his face. Um, it was actually the third one. I actually felt like I got him out when I nicked him off. But yeah, he's um, he was definitely in my. When someone says he's the best player you've got out, he is. He's up there, isn't he, with his record? Yeah, incredible. What? 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 Some some fantastic. Got tongue tied then. Some fantastic um, questions from the members as well. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a full sort of series of these booked in. So if you like the podcast or you like watching on YouTube. Um, just whatever, subscribe and also just tell a mate. You know, you never know; they might enjoy it if they're you know bored at the moment and and you know love the cricket. Do let them know about the podcast and Barmy Meets as well. So thank you very much. Look out on all our social media channels for more. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks for asking questions. And see you again soon. We can actually wave this time. Bye bye. Good night. God bless. Back to the studio. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.